Fate would like to thank Jack Rieschen and company for sponsoring this episode of Positive Space. Rieschen manufactures all sorts of painting and drawing supplies. That's oils, acrylics, watercolors, pastels, charcoal, you name it. They probably make it. Heck, they even have studio furniture. Make sure to check out Jack Rieschen at rieschenart.com. That's R-I-C-H-E-S-O-N-A-R-T.com. Welcome to Positive Space, Conversations and Art Foundations, a production of Foundations in Art, Theory and Education, also known as FATE. Positive Space is a podcast providing opportunities for those passionate about art foundations to discuss and promote excellence in the development and teaching of college-level foundations in art studio and art history classes. so much. So glad to be here. Yeah, me, me too. I'm really excited to have you. You are also on the FATE board and you serve as the editor in FATE Interview. And I know we're going to get to sort of unpack and, and talk about the, the latest issue of FATE and Review, which will be coming out. And, and we're excited about that. Um, but, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about Anderson University and where it is and, and sort of a little bit about your, your role as the foundation's coordinator. Sure. So my institution, Anderson University, is in the upstate of South Carolina. So we're tucked away in the uh, upper northwest corner of the state. Uh, We're a private liberal arts uh, institution of about 3,500 students. I am the foundation's coordinator in the School of the Arts at the university. So I oversee a year-long two-semester sequence uh, in foundations that serves Uh, different majors in the School of the Arts. And our foundation's program is team taught. So there's a, you know, sort of a number of both full-time and part-time faculty that teach in foundations. As I mentioned, there are different majors within the foundation sequence. So it's a, it's a lot of moving parts and I do my best to keep it running smoothly. Very exciting. And so team taught. So does that mean that there are two faculty members overseeing each class and they're doing that in tandem. So they're doing that sort of in the same room. No. Well, yes and no. Uh, (laughs) In our system, depending on enrollment, we might have anywhere between four to six different faculty at, at any, you know, in any given year. And for us, what that looks like is we have uh, essentially one large group of students. So let's just say it's, you know, this last year we had approximately 70 students in foundations. So we meet as a group with all five faculty with the students uh, on days in a large auditorium and we do demonstrations on video and we do lectures. And then typically after we introduce content, you know, we have assigned readings and we do lectures. We then break the students up into studio teams. So uh, a studio team will consist uh, usually of anywhere between 12 to 16 students. Uh, the students form teams on the very first day of class. They have to form names for their their studio teams, and they have <laughs> fun. Yeah, it's it's fun, and they stay in that team the entire year. So 
we have five major projects throughout each semester, so 10 projects total for the, the academic year, and they rotate faculty for each uh, studio project. So they may have um, you know, me for the first project for you know, three weeks, and then we go back to lecture and back to the auditorium for a few days, and then they rotate to a different faculty member for the next project. Uh, so I only get, you know, that group of 13, 14 students in a studio class for one project, and then they move on to uh, another faculty member. So it's it's quick, but, you know, it's it's great, too, because they get to interact with faculty, you know, lots of faculty from the department. So, you know, they might have one faculty member whose expertise is, you know, in painting or drawing, and then they move to, you know, another faculty member whose expertise is in ceramics or design. So it's really varied. They get a lot of different perspectives. Uh, and of course, um, they're exposed to a lot of different teaching styles too. Wow. And so, so that you said that on the very first day that the students form teams. And so do they get to pick who they're with or do they number off or do you guys decide who goes with who? Yeah, we, we decide who goes with who initially. So they'll actually be enrolled in a, in a section uh, of the course. And so each section is assigned a professor on the first day of class and the professor, you know, through the first day of class and you do the typical sort of first day things and um, explaining to them how the system works, which some of them understand and some of them don't <laughs> until sure. about a, until they get, you know, a weekend and then we, we move everybody around and then we get through the first project and then they rotate again and then they understand, oh, okay, I, I'm going with this professor now or I'm moving two doors down the hall or I'm moving downstairs uh, to this studio now. So it takes a little bit of time, but usually once we're, you know, a month into the semester, it, we're gaining speed and they sort of understand how it works. It's, it's, it's a great wheel and the wheel never stops moving. That's our, that's what, that's what the way <laughs> which, which is exciting, you know, and, and so then you, for example, which, you know, you're teaching in foundations. And so you would then get the group of like 13 students. Would you only have them for one project, like each semester? Yes. Yeah. So I, I would only get them for one project each semester. And then of course there's, you know, some, some change with students from uh, one semester to the next in terms of how the groups are shuffled around. So right. when, when they return for the spring, they will not see the same faces uh, in their studio group. It will be an entirely different group of students. We like to shuffle the deck. So within our program, we have uh, you know fine art studio majors. We have uh, graphic design majors. We also have theater set design majors in the School of Art. Oh, and interesting. Uh, interior design majors. So they all go through the same first-year experience foundations one and two. The foundations studio groups actually are pretty different in terms of the, the students and the majors that are in each group. You know, you might be a fine art, let's say a painting and drawing major, and there might only be one other major painting and drawing uh, in that group with you. There might be four or five graphic design majors, four or five interior design majors, maybe a theater set design major. So it's, it's a really a, a diverse group in terms of the majors. Oh, that's exciting. And it seems like with, within that smaller group and as they're working on projects and as that's evolving throughout the, the first year experience that, you know, having those kinds of perspectives be really broad with, within their peer group, it seems like that would be really exciting, especially having like interior design and set design. Wow. Yeah, it is. I think that it is. Mm -hmm. I love the program. I, you know, I'm sort of jealous. I would have loved to have gone through our program, <laughs> you know, as, as a uh -huh. freshman. 
in, uh, in college. I, I think that it does. I, I think that it, it gets them sort of out of maybe, you know, a bubble that they think that they were going to, you know, sort of come into and only have their fellow majors that they were across the table from or in the studio with. That's certainly not the case. And I think that on the other side of that, it presents challenges for us as faculty because we have to approach the material in a way that's accessible for all of those majors. And, you know, we, we sort of joke, or I like to joke that when we call it foundations, we really talk about, you know, (laughs) because, you know, sometimes we might be introducing, you know, something on color theory and we might, you know, be showing examples from fine art. and, And that's the first time that half the students in the room have ever looked at a painting for that length of time or had to really critically look at it in terms of how color is used. So we really have to think, you know, deliberately about how we're presenting that information and and that material to students. I would imagine so. And and so then within your team that you lead that teach us foundations, do you meet and, you know, sort of, sort of arc out the semester in terms of projects and talk about um, curriculum altogether? Or is that something that you just do maybe with the tenure track faculty that are within your area? Uh, we, we all meet as faculty. So we have a, a big meeting before the, you know, the, the school year starts and we sit down and that's one of my roles as foundations coordinator is we carve up sort of all the content for the year, the lectures, who's presenting what projects, and we sort of sit around a table for a couple hours and we decide who's doing what and who's presenting this. You know, one of the benefits is that I've taught actually at Anderson uh, as a part-time faculty member on this team before I came back as a full-time faculty member. So I had some experience with you know, sort of what this model looked like. And I also inherited as the, the new foundations coordinator, a system that had already sort of been built uh, and polished to a certain degree. So it's, is a really collaborative teaching environment. The faculty that teach on foundations are incredibly supportive of one another. We like to joke that we're sort of like a teaching hydra, you know, that (laughs) because we're, you know, because we team teach that classes never canceled. And if anything ever happens, if you sort of chop off one head, two heads spring up that any of any of us can easily step in and sort of cover anything in those situations where that's required. So it is truly a a collaborative studio classroom and a foundations experience, which is one of the best things about it and what, why I love doing it. That's incredible. And, you know, I know that we've, we've talked a little bit off and on over, I don't know, the year, two years that, that, that you've been back there and just about this whole idea of collaboration and sort of how it's thrown around a lot. You know, we, we hear it at every conference we go to. It's, it's like this hot word that everybody likes to talk about. But I mean, there's so much to it and, and there's so many advantages. I like being around other really smart people that know things I don't know, you know, and teach in a way that is, is not the way that I teach. And I think that that, that that really helps the learning experience. And But for my experience, I'm in, I'm in the classroom all day with another colleague and we teach everything together to like 30 students all day. And so it's a little bit different. Well, it's, it's a lot. But I'm curious because, you know, from a, a faculty member's pers- perspective, you have these this one group of students for just one project in, in one semester. And so do you, so I, I would imagine that you would then grade that project, you know, yourself as a, as a faculty member. And then would all those 
so then their final grade happens and you guys all get together to sort of talk about it in terms of how things went throughout the semester? We, we do. We have weekly meetings as a faculty. So we, we meet every week and sort of talk about where everyone's at in the studio. Before we introduce a project, we you know, tentatively lay out a schedule for that project. And we're all sort of on the same page as trying in terms of trying to, you know, sort of address where the students are in different phases of the project, you know, meeting certain deadlines by, you know, certain days. So there is a, a great deal of consistency amongst uh, these, you know, individual studio teams, despite what you might think sort of looking outside in, because there's all of these moving parts are, they're actually all moving uh, together in unison by and large. So yeah, we, once we have a studio project, we individually grade those projects. And then of course we rotate the, the, the student group. So out of that group of 13 students, they all receive one major project grade from me. And then of course rotate to the different faculty. So each faculty member contributes, you know, one grade to each of those five final projects that they have. And of course there are other components and assignments built into that. There's, of course, a midterm. There's a final exam that's comprehensive. We have uh, five to six quizzes throughout the semester. We have essay components that are built into some of the studio projects. So it's, it's, it's quite a lot. Wow. It sounds, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could have gone through this program when I was in school as well. And one thing that I really appreciate that you touched on is this idea that collaboration is not just chaotic, that there really is a plan. And of course, it needs to be flexible and malleable, but, but there really is consistency within foundation, within collaboration. And, and it doesn't have to, to, to actually be as I think some, sometimes it does appear, which is if you have all these people involved, how can it be similar or how can it be clear? Yeah, and I think with our model that works because we have a point person, myself as, as coordinator, who can sort of oversee everything and, and sort of keep all of those different, you know, sort of balls in the air at different times. Uh, and also when needed, uh, you know, you can also delegate. And, and that's sometimes a necessity, you know, when you're working with, you know, four or five, six other faculty members. And that's, again, that's, I think, the, the really great thing about our system and why it works for us is that the faculty that teach on foundations sort of understand that, and they get that sometimes they have to step in and, and you know, take care of something or, or address something, be proactive, and then at other times they also understand that they can take a step, step back and let someone else uh, step up. And that, that, that again, that, that goes back to my earlier comment about why we really are sort of, uh, we like to call ourselves a teaching hydra because, that, right. you know, uh, if, if, if one of us goes down, then someone else can sort of step up and, and it works. That's really, really, really exciting. And, you know, just, just this notion that, that while there is a very much collaborative and communicative experience that involves that team, then it's also you're in the classroom by yourself with those groups of 12 or 13 students and and the students aren't wondering well do I ask this faculty about if I have a question or do I ask this faculty if I have a question or who's really grading this and what is this assessment that's happening here and and then they all get I would imagine really unique experiences with each project as the faculty rotates because they're getting critique experiences that are not all the same all the time 
Exactly. It does keep them on their toes. And I think that just from a teaching standpoint, that's, you know, another benefit of it. But I I would also say that the reason why the system works is also because of the people that are on it. I'm really fortunate to have an amazing group of people to teach alongside of, and they, you know, make my role as foundations coordinator really easy because they are incredible teachers. They challenge me as a colleague and they make, they make the environment such where, you know, you want to go in and you want to go above and beyond because everyone is, you know, right along there beside you doing the same thing. So really fortunate in that sense to, to have a really wonderful team of people to work with. Uh, well, I'm sure they're excited to have you there, too, as well. You know, I mean, that's that's so much fun. And, okay, so just to sort of nerd out for one second, because I love talking about this kind of stuff, is, you know, so you are teaching a project, let's say, and you have a certain rubric that, you, that you're using, I would imagine, or a certain way in which you're assessing that particular project. Well, then, and, you know, supplying feedback for the students. And then as they move on to the next faculty and the next project is – is the rubric the same or is there, is there some kind of, I guess a really easy way to ask this would be, are you guys all using the same rubric or the same kind of assessment tools? We are. Yes. So the, all of the projects are introduced to the students as a large group. We talk through them as a large group. We we have Q and a session as a large group and all of the faculty discuss typically different aspects of the project. And many of the faculty were sort of sometimes rotate on and off discussing or sort of pitching a project on their past experience with it or sort of their area of expertise. And we all use the same assessment information. So all of the rubrics for the project are the same and they're, we, as a group, we all use them. We all adhere to the same deadlines For example, if there's a preliminary study for one project done, then that deadline is the same for all of the groups. Our critique dates are all the same. And if there's anything that happens throughout the semester where, you know, let's say there's inclement weather, for example, then everyone, every date gets changed and pushed back. So we're all on the same page. So then you guys are all doing the exact same projects. So it's like unified curriculum throughout all of it, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That makes makes me think about all kinds of things in terms of how, I I mean, I I just find it so exciting to learn about other programs and how they do things and what's working. And of course, what works at one program might not be a good fit for another, you know, and there's, there's not sort of a right or wrong or like this is cool and this isn't or something like that. I just find it so fascinating. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. Our system works for us. And I think it works for us because all incoming students, even transfer students, must go through our foundation sequence. It works because of our size. It works because of the other majors that are within our School of Arts. I used to teach at a state institution where this this system would not have worked because, you know, we had articulation agreements that we had to meet with local community colleges and courses had to be sequenced in a certain way. And if students were transferring in, we had to give credit for those courses across different uh, institutions. So a a system like that would have never, you know, worked there. Um, And yeah, I mean, every, every place is, is different in terms of the requirements, the curriculum, staffing, scheduling, et cetera. Right. And, and do do you feel like at Anderson university that 
that the foundations program is more skill driven or more conceptually driven, or do you feel like it's some combination of both or how, how would you sort of define it in that way? It's definitely both for us. And that's some, that's, you know, definitely something that we emphasize. So the entire foundation sequence, both foundations one and two is an integrated sequence. So there's, I think sort of the classic model is you have a 2D uh, over, you know, course here, you have perhaps a 3D over here and then a drawing course. So ours uh, are all sort of mixed up across both semesters. So we might move from a 2D design project into a drawing project, into a 3D project, into a color, back to drawing and then back to 2D. But within that, every project builds on what came before and in terms of different aspects of it and developing ideation. And as the year-long semester goes along, the conceptual aspects of each problem, they get a little – they get tougher. They get a, a little more uh, difficult. Um, and there are a few you know, sort of uh, projects – I'm thinking of the the second semester spring, the first project when they come back that that don't have a sort of a strong conceptual component, but they quickly pick it back up. Um, so it really is a, an important part of the curriculum that's you know threaded throughout that we're really mindful of of building into a meaningful foundations experience for the students. I think having an integrated approach makes so much sense, especially in a contemporary space that we're all in, you know, is those that are m making anything at all. So this idea that whatever you're doing and, and drawing can inform or help you with whatever you're working on in sculpture or whatever you're working on in color or that the surface impacts the, the, the amount of space it takes up. I mean, all these things are so exciting. I mean, that's, that's, that's gotta be really, really great. I mean, do you find that, that there's any frustration that you get or any kind of feedback from, from any of the students relative to, Oh man, I just got in this groove of drawing and now we have to go to this or. Well, I think so. I mean, yes, certainly sometimes there are. Um, but often I think that's just because they have sort of a, a narrow conception of what, their field or discipline is, or, you know, what contemporary art can be. And the truth is, I mean, just, you know, within my larger role in the university, I, I oversee foundations, I teach in foundations, but I also teach upper level painting and drawing. So I really have a wonderful sort of bookend experience and that I sometimes will get students their very first day of college, their very first class, and then their very last class, you know, uh, as seniors. So I, I get them over a, a really extended period of time. And it's, I, I think for me, just in terms of how I approach my own art, how we sort of think about contemporary art now, it's really important for them in foundations to understand that um, they have to be flexible, not just in their thinking, but in their interaction with materials. And if they are exposed to in foundations, even as, you know, say a painting and drawing major, the notion that color and drawing can inform a physical space, then that might benefit them a few years down the road when they decide as a senior, 
for their capstone experience to, you know, supplement the paintings that they've made with an actual installation for their exhibition. So it sort of all points back to foundations for me. And I, that's certainly sort of my philosophy to foundations. I feel like I could like nerd out and talk about this for days yeah. and days and days with you because it's so exciting. I mean, it, it really is. But but I, I definitely also want us to have a chance to talk about a Fade in Review. And um, as the editor of Fade in Review, um, can you just talk a little bit about what that publication is and sort of how you how you see that? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So Fate and Review is the academic journal of Fate, the organization. It is a peer-reviewed journal that is focused on arts education and all aspects of visual culture. We solicit uh, articles and you know, interested contributors uh, can submit articles year-round on a rotating basis. The journal is biennial and has been, I think, for the most part in its existence, uh, a biennial journal that's published every other year, staggered years to the conference. So this volume, volume 36, is actually going out next week, which I'm really excited about in preparation for, you know, sort of folks getting wrapped up, you know, for the semester and heading out uh, for the summer. So really excited about volume 36. Uh, so if there are any listeners, uh, look for that in your mailbox uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, it'll be there really soon. And in case there's an assumption, I mean, you know, depending on who's listening to us right now, which I'm sure it's many excited, wonderful human beings scattered throughout wherever. But if, if you're a member of FATE, then then you would find it in your mailbox. If, uh, or if your institution, your university or community college is a member, then you would find it in your mailbox. But if you're not, you can't just go to 7-Eleven and purchase this journal, can you? You cannot. Uh, it is... Mm. It is not that easy, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> no, you would actually have to wait for to if you were not a Fate member to receive the current version of the journal, which would be available digitally on the Fate website uh, next year. So, uh, what we try to do is is obviously provide some some access to the journal for our members in advance of when it's released, you know, to the public through through the Fate website. Uh, so yes, you are correct. If you are a, a member of FATE or your institution um, is a member, then you will receive the journal in your mailbox. Otherwise, you will have to wait and, until next year to receive the digital copy. But uh, if you are a member, you can actually go to the FATE and Review Archive on the FATE website and uh, review back issues of FATE and Review, many of which are, are in the archive on the FATE website. Right. And, you know, it's never too late to become a member of FATE. We have a lot of uh, opportunities for graduate students, retirees, adjuncts, individuals. Um, if you're an artist, a designer, art historian, or just cool, and you just want to support art and art pedagogy and specifically foundations pedagogy, there's a lot of, you know, benefits of membership. And we, we do a lot of exciting things. Um, so you can, of course, learn all about this and, and, and many more other things at foundations dash art dot org but so it's obviously something no one should want to wait on they should just be waiting for this amazing thing just for a minute and then they'll have it in their mailbox if they're members and so tell us a little bit about this particular journal like what is it about volume 36 that that you're particularly excited about well, there are a couple of things that I'm excited about uh, with Volume 36, Fate in Review. I, I do think that this edition is a is a 
incredibly accurate and a wonderful representation of our membership in terms of, you know, the author's backgrounds, where they're coming from, uh, the different types of institutions and their different roles in those institutions, both nationally within the U.S. And we also have an international contributor to this uh, volume. So that's really great, too. I think one of the things that this editorial staff has done, and I want to give a shout out to them, Allison, Lily, Ashley, Noel, Jack, and our designer, Laura, they've all just done such a fabulous job with this edition. We've really tried to revisit uh, sort of the idea of an academic journal um, and what that you know, means. When I stepped into this role as editor, after some quick initial research, I was really dismayed to to find some numbers out there in academia that something like only about seven or eight percent of all academics actually read academic journals, which is <laughs> really kind of disheartening. So what, what we tried to do just from the very beginning was to take a stance toward the journal that maybe opened it up, made it a little more inclusive and also sort of challenged maybe what people's expectations are from an academic journal. So within that, and, and, and that has sort of been a guiding principle from everything from the, you know, the types of articles that, you know, ultimately appear in the journal to the way that the journal is designed in such a way that we hope that it improves the real readability and it's visually just, you know, a more exciting piece of text to hold in your hand than mm-hmm. you know, other dry academic stuffy, you know, kind of journals can be. Sure. Um, it, it, it has been sort of a guiding principle throughout. And I, and I think that that is reflected in not just the look of the journal, but also in the content of the journal. We have a wide variety of topics and articles in the journal, everything from the nature of students these days and, you know, what those students look like, their backgrounds, to how we're teaching those students questions of academic freedom and higher ed, questions of, you know, intellectual property rights, uh, image appropriation, post-internet, you know, art foundations courses. We also, uh, I was fortunate enough to do an interview with uh, Enrique Martinez uh, Celaya uh, that will appear in this journal. Um, so there's a there's a whole host uh, of, of topics um, and articles um, in this volume that really touch on a lot of different things that I feel like we we are talking about and we have talked about as foundations educators and just also sort of pulling back to big picture as just you know contemporary artists and you know contemporary art educators in general um, when we're looking out now and thinking about not just you know, the types of students that we have, but the materials that we're teaching and how those things connect. So it's, 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 it's a lot. It really is a lot. And it, you sent me, I guess, like a final proof of it uh, not too long ago. And, and I, I was just so impressed with, it just looks good. The, the way that it's laid out, the way that the, the text is on the page. I mean, all of that is just exciting. And then beyond, which of course is like someone that is visual and is a maker, I'm, I'm excited and I can nerd out about those kinds of things. But beyond that, it's, it's just, it was so nice to, to see so many topics that are being written about and being discussed in a way that's very academic and very much well researched and well thought and well considered and it just it just made me feel like I was at like a fake conference but just in a much more in-depth kind of intense way. Agreed yeah and, and I think that that is 
one of the things that fate in review is, is supposed to do as the editor, it's, it's supposed to sort of reflect the experiences that we have um, as fate members, not just with sort of the topics that we're grappling with in our classrooms um, and in our studios, but also it's, it's reflective of the kinds of experiences that we have that, um, at fate conferences that make them so meaningful. You know, I, I love fate as an organization. Um, I, I find the conferences to just be sort of a highlight. One of the highlights, you know, of my year, every time I go and I always leave you know, feeling, uh, re-energized, recharged, and just ready to dive back in. And I think it was really important for the editorial staff to really produce a journal that was reflective of that experience in some way and to have it in sync with, you know, sort of what fate is as an organization. And hopefully we've we've done that. I think it's really clear that you guys have. I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited for everybody to get this in their mailbox. It'll be like a summer treat like a popsicle you know just all this cool stuff in terms of things to think about you know as we're most of us are maybe not teaching this summer and are in our studios or in our gardens or or whatever it's just sort of nice to have an opportunity to really soak in this information but at a pace that you can kind of choose it's not at a conference it's not at an event it's not with other people around. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I certainly hope that it will be. And, and I think that it will. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that fate has done recently with some of our initiatives and, you know, in terms of not just the journal, but also what you're doing, Valerie, with, you know, with positive space, like this is, it's such a great way to sort of stay connected to this larger conversation in the community. And hopefully we can, we're all doing sort of our part to keep that keep all those conversations and those things going. It's so, it's just so fun, but, but it, but it's also something you have to make a choice to, to do, you know, to be part of a community and to, you know, to be engaged and to be present. And yeah, I mean, I think it, it kind of, we sort of all sort of help to encourage each other and sort of give each other energy, you know, and in terms of um, enthusiasm, because, you know, we all have those moments where it's like, wow, this is happening. This is, this is my life. This is okay. I work in higher education and that's wonderful. And it's, it's a huge privilege and it's, it's magical and all those things are real, but, but it also has a lot of political things that are tricky and human beings are tricky and, you know, all, all kinds of things. So it's great to be reminded of like the main thing, you know, and why we do what we do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that's, you know, for me, something that I'm, I try to be aware of that, you know, these are people, there are other human beings that we're dealing with. And I have always, you know, we were talking earlier about sort of the, the notion of collaboration. And I'm, I'm really fortunate to be in the role that I am at my institution and collaboration and working with other people has really something uh, has been something that I've always seen as sort of an integral part of not necessarily my studio practice, but my identity as an artist. Um, I mean, if we think of like art being a connection to other people, which ultimately it is, then this is just another aspect of that for me. I was fortunate enough to, you know, even as an undergrad, get involved with some artist collectives. And it, it really has been something that has been one of the most gratifying things of, you know, my career as a you know, academician has been being able to work with other people and that, you know, I don't just mean being able to teach, you know, students in a classroom, but I also mean working with colleagues. I also mean, you know, working with, you know, other people, whether it's through fate 
or presenting with folks at conferences or just organizing exhibitions, all of those things have always, for me, been really important mm-hmm. and, and really necessary um, to, to sustain not just, you know, my, my studio practice, uh, my enthusiasm, but just, just being a human being basically. Right. right. I mean, it really, it really does come down to that. And I, I think that you said it so well. I mean, it's, it's so invigorating and it's so thrilling. I mean, really sincerely, not to sound totally cheesy, but it really is. I mean, and it feels like such a privilege that I, I get to work with so many folks that are just crazy smart and they think of the world in such an interesting way and they're they're not from the same place as I'm from or they didn't grow up the way I did or, or whatever it is and we can talk about those things and we can talk about ways in which we're curious and how we can move towards the same outcome or the same goal because then it's fun it's like we're just all in this room going what if we did this wouldn't that be cool you know <laughs> exactly yeah and then you know uh working in a discipline in a field where that is sort of encouraged. And that's certainly something that I, you know, try to get my students to do in the classroom that it's, it's, you know, this is a space, a studio is a space where you can try, where you can experiment, where you can fail. And, you know, to be able to work with colleagues that have a similar mindset to, you know, where you can feel comfortable to challenge yourself and then take those kinds of risks is, is really rewarding. It's such such a gift, and I'm I'm just I'm so pleased and happy to to work with you on the board, and I'm I'm so excited about Fate and Review and all the things that um, you and your you know your team are doing, and it's it's just yeah, it's it's very 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 exciting. So I, I appreciate it, and I look forward to to getting my little summer treat in the mailbox. Great. Uh, we're looking forward to, to getting those out. Well, Michael, I very much appreciate your time, your enthusiasm, and just getting to learn about Anderson University and, and hear about Fate and Review has, has just been really fun today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie, for the opportunity uh, to come on and to talk about the journal and you know my institution. It was really a lot of fun. I appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. Well, have a good summer. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Positive Space. If you're interested in being part of FATE's ongoing conversation about art foundations, visit the FATE website at foundationsart.org. Don't forget the dash between foundations and art. This episode's interview was conducted by Valerie Powell and was engineered and edited by Raymond Gaddy. Our theme music was provided by Lee Rosevere. If you like what you hear on Positive Space, be sure to give us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcast. Better yet, send us some audio. You can call Positive Space at 904-990-FATE. That's 904-990-3283. You may find your voice on the next episode of Positive Space.